If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, I want to start this week's episode by saying thank you for making my podcast part of your routine. There are thousands, if not millions of podcasts out there. So the fact that you chose mine and you have me as your coach and mentor is a great honor for me. So today I wanted to do something a little bit different and extend an invitation to you. Because if you like my philosophies and, and you want to be part of a group of people that are hard charging and are taking action towards financial freedom and fulfillment, then all you have to do is hop on a call and talk to somebody on my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call to find out how we can help you achieve your goals. You don't have to do it alone. We are here to help. In fact, doing it alone is the longest journey towards success. It's a lonely one on top of that. So just take the next step. All I have to do is say yes, jump on a call, and then learn what you don't know that you don't know, and let's help you fast track towards success. My guest is going to talk a little bit to salespeople and the power of influence, and going to talk a little bit about why salespeople don't do what they need to do, and an app that he's working at that will be a virtual objection handling sales person's coach for on the road, which is really, really cool. He's also going to surprise you with a philosophy around, you know, we've all heard, should you eat the frog first in the morning, do the toughest thing, get on the toughest sales call. And he's actually going to show you a different perspective on that and why that's going to help you and how you can keep your dream alive by learning how to handle rejection better. There's so many bombs that he drops in this conversation all the way from, are you going to determine that you're, you're going to jump into a pity party or a progress party? I love the progress party and how to continually get yourself to want to get better each and every day and how to handle objection. So my guest, Michael Altshuler, is an amazing guy. He was an entrepreneur at a very, very young age. He started shoveling walkways and waxing cars chip off the old block. He's worked for um, companies like Aflac, Marriott, Prime America, just to name a few. He's a keynote speaker, a motivational speaker. He's produced over 65 million in personal and managed sales. He's in the health industry. He's, you know, well versed with people like Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar. He's going on tour with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank speaking this year. He's gotten awards from the New Jersey State Governor's Cup for Entrepreneurial Excellence, the Atlantic City Entrepreneur of the Year Award, Salvation Army Community Builder. I mean, this is a guy who says that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. He's got a very strongly firm, firm and formed identity that we're going to talk about. And this guy is just nonstop value. So it is my great pleasure and honor to introduce to you my dear friend, Michael Altshuler. Rock, it's my pleasure and I'm grateful to be on your podcast and uh, uh, share our experiences together with your audience. Now, when I, when I did the introduction to you, there's such vast experience that you have. So many people that you've met on this planet that are um, thought leaders. 
and we talked about what direction should we take this in. And I love the fact that you want to talk about why people don't do what they know that they should do. And what is the secret to getting them to do that? But let's talk just a little bit briefly. Why are you so excited about this whole world of personal development? How did, how did that get? I mean, you were an entrepreneur from a very young age of, you know, shoveling snow and waxing cars. But where, where did it, do you think it was born or do you think you, you, you know, fanned those flames? Well, first of all, uh, I want to tell the folks and you, the reason the vast experience is there is because I'm old, Rock. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you get the vast experience. You can't buy years in experience. Made millions, lost millions, and a lot of mentors along the way. So I think my, my quest out of sales organization uh, I was in the copier business, uh, started when I was 21 out of a 650 square foot apartment and had salespeople, grew it to a multi-million dollar company before I was 30. Listen, don't be too impressed. I lost the millions in my 40s. So I kind of went on that entrepreneurial journey. But what I learned along the way, what I was fascinated with and also disturbed by was why don't salespeople and by and large, all people do what they know they should do to get the results they know they really want to get in their lives. Why, why do they self-sabotage themselves all the time? We know we should eat healthy. Why do doctors even smoke? Why don't people exercise when we have... So, so I don't think it's good enough, Rock, to motivate people. I don't want to be a motivational speaker. I'm a keynote speaker. I don't think it's good enough to just say out there, go out in there and do it. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. And the truth of the matter is what my dad taught me at a very young age that the successful person will do what the unsuccessful person won't do. And if you don't feel like doing it, chances are it's the right thing to do. And what I've learned is all the great ones, when I examine the great ones and those that want to be great but aren't doing the work necessary to be great, that that gap is the great ones have a strong why. The bigger the why, the bigger the try. They're focused on that why as a driver, and that driver pushes them past their comfort zone, which means they operate in their discomfort zone all the time, in essence, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And that's what drives them to do all the grunt work, which is what it is, to be successful. Uh, the kind of, let's call it the preparation, like the, the book, The Art of War, every battle's won before it's fought. People, that's a tough thing to do to prepare all the time at a high level of intensity and focus. So that's pretty much the short of it. And, and I dive into what drives human behavior uh, and what prevents people from operating in that discomfort zone, which they have to do. It's uncomfortable and people don't want to do it. That's why they don't. What's going to drive them to do that? The why, self-talk, and some other things. So I know that for myself, uh, if you do in life what is difficult, life becomes easier. Love it. And if you do always, you're seeking what's easy, then life becomes difficult because you don't grow. You're not in that discomfort zone that you talked about. I purposefully put things in my calendar that I know are going to push me get me to grow, populate it with things like piano lessons or getting up at 5.30 in the morning, going to a yoga class, doing 75 days in a row of yoga. Because I know that when I do that, I have this, self of self, this sense of self-esteem, this growth, and I'm going to appreciate that version of myself. Yeah, yeah. It's well, well said. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's kind of like rockets, like working out. You have to tear your muscle apart to make it bigger and stronger. And one of the things that I found that's hard for people that, you know, when you look at all these, the big things and the little things that we do, it's really the little things 
that we do that make the big difference. Right. We're not asking you, you didn't necessarily do 90 days of yoga or however many days of yoga right away. I suggest people start small. Great book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Take off bite-sized chunks. There's a great quote, you know, inch by inch, anything's a cinch, yard by yard, anything's hard. Take off bite-sized manageable chunks of things that you need to do. Do one push-up. Floss one tooth if you want to start a habit of flossing. <laughs> and you say, that was so easy, flossing one tooth. Man, that was just easy. And then you say, I could do two teeth. And then you do two and you do three. And what you build on is you build on small successes. You build momentum, you build confidence, mojo, whatever you want to call it, but you build on accomplishments. Uh, one real quick thing, I, I uh, you know, listen, I'm a sales guy and I love selling and I love competition. And a sales manager or sales leader asked me one time, Michael, what would you rather do? Go on your easiest sales call in the morning or the most difficult? And right away, being the confident guy and take on the tough challenges, take the biggest chunk first. I said, give me that tough one, man. I'll take that tough call first. And the truth of the matter is that's the wrong answer. The right answer is take the easy one first. Because once you are successful at that easy sales call, your confidence level just went up and you're going to be more successful on the next call. So build on little easy successes and that will give you the strength to take on the more difficult challenges. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you, you were an entrepreneur at a very young age. You were shoveling walkways and you were waxing cars. Were you, what drove you to do that? Did your parents force you? Did you not have money? What were the circumstances? Yeah. Great, great question, Rock. I, uh, I think I, I had the entrepreneurial spirit. I don't know whether my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a life insurance salesman, but always dabbling in other businesses. So I kind of witnessed that. I saw early on, I guess, other kids that were, you know, one had a landscaping business. I grew up in New Jersey and I said, wow, I could shovel snow and, and that's a need that people have. So I didn't understand sales at the time, but find a need or a pain and solve it. So I'd go around the neighborhood. People liked me. I was a kid. I was hustling and I shoveled snow and there was a need. I took care of it, made money, liked the way that felt that I worked really hard. And I, the result of that was I made money. The result of that, I gained respect and self-esteem and uh, wanted more of it. And that was kind of the bug. And then the real first entrepreneurial or big entrepreneurial thing I did was with my partner, Jesse Levendorf. And we started a car washing business. And to this day, it was called Shine On Car Care. We make it our duty to preserve your car's beauty. Over 320 cars experience. And we would not, we were teenagers and we were making, we were killing it. Making $500, $600 a week, 40 years ago. Cash each. Uh, knocking on doors, stopping cars, driving down the street. The hustle is, and it hasn't changed. These are universal laws, simple truths. Sales is always a function of activity, proper activity, calling on prospects, and improving your skill set. So if you get better at what you're doing, learn, always learn and grow, read books, talk to mentors, listen to audiobooks, whatever you're doing, always improve your skill set. That's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is make more calls. That's hustling. What's going to take you to make more calls to qualify prospects? And the, the equation, the outcome of that, better skills, more calls, means better success. And, and what does it take to do those things? So we realized early on, if we stopped cars in the middle of the street and said, how would you like your car to look like this? And knocked on each door and talked to the neighbor and said, you want your car to look like your neighbors? We just hustled 
early in the morning when the sun rose and at night when the sun went down, we were doing six, seven cars a day at 20 to 30 bucks a car. And uh, we were just uh, killing it, but it was a hustle. It was a grind. But I think that's a common story amongst entrepreneurs. They understand it's a hustle and a grind. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So we'll explain now. A lot of people are willing to sell their dreams to Mr. Rejection. Yeah. So how did you get yourself? Because I want to dig into this. How did you get yourself? Because I'm the same. I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm a hunter. I like to go out in the street. I go in the street and stop in the middle of the street and stop a car and say, let yeah, me watch yeah. it. Right? I, love that. I like that challenge. You get some juices flowing. But I grew up in an environment where that was fostered by being in being in difficult situations if you're born and you know you got loving parents and you you know you got dropped off at school and picked up and you maybe didn't have either the entrepreneurial sport uh, spirit in you or you weren't forced into difficult situations how how do you help other people foster this action you say it requires activity and you got to improve your skills i agree with you 100 percent and we're going to come back to the second part, but how do you help people foster the desire to fail, essentially? Well, success can become a habit and so can failure. And I think when you get in any one of, and, and life is about, and sales are about momentum. You first have to understand the precept of sales is that it's a game of no, not a game of yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, that you have to understand that they're rejecting your offer, not you. So you can't take it personally in the sense that it doesn't diminish your self-worth or your belief system that you're not capable. It may signal that you need to improve your skills. That's a positive thing, but you have mm. the ability to do that. Mm. So I think that, you, you know, with, with sales, you have to understand that you're mining for gold. You're going to get a lot more no's than yeses, and you can't take it personally, but you have to take the responsibility for constantly being committed to getting better. That's the goal. How do I get better? Because if you don't like rejection, then spend, invest time in getting better. You'll have less of it. So that's, that's one of the solutions. You'll never get, completely rid yourself of rejection because then you're not making enough calls. But if you get better, you're going to be more successful and have more yeses than, than you did prior to uh, investing in yourself and learning and growing from mentors, books, audio tapes, videos, et cetera. So that's great. I, yeah, I, th I think at the end of the day, Rock, uh, uh, success begets success and failure begets failure. Another part we didn't talk about is you have to hang out with people and things. You know, Jim Rohn said with the sum total of our five closest friends, but I go beyond that. And not to say Jim, I mean, Jim Rohn was, was, was a rock star, but I think that we're, we're what we, who we surround ourselves with, but perhaps equally important is what we surround ourselves with. You know, I put weights, dumbbells in front of my desk and my wife looks at me and says, you're going to trip over them. And I said, exactly. You see, I put things in my path all around me that remind me, that trigger me to do the things that I don't feel like doing that I know I should do to live the life I truly want to live. And because the challenge is the outside world is bombarding us constantly, thousands of times a day with things that we should be thinking of and doing that aren't uh, in alignment with who we say we want to be. But it vies for our attention, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So what does it take to stay on the track of success? And, and part of that is triggers. Keep things in people that support and trigger the types of activities, 
thought process, thoughts, decisions, and actions, the thoughts that will keep you going in that right direction and fend off the outside enemy that's always vying for your attention to take you down the wrong path. I love it. Great stuff. Super stuff. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about your opinion on feedback. You talked about, you know, you, you got to be improving your skills all the time. You got to be um, getting better, uh, investing in yourself. A lot of people get defensive around feedback. What is, how do you help people around that? Why are you asking me about that, Rock? <laughs> I can't believe you brought that up. Man, ask me some easier questions, won't you? So, okay. So why do people get defensive? I think if you peel back the onion, they get defensive because they're not willing to do the work. And they have to get defensive because they're unwilling to do the work. And, they're un- and then you peel back the onion further and say, why are they unwilling to do the work? I mean, common sense will dictate all the, the, the universal laws and simple truths dictate that the more you do something, the better you get at it, as, as long as you have the right blueprint. Simple. That, why do pro golfers hit a thousand shots from the sand trap? Why, does, why did Kobe Bryant take, was at the first one at the gym taking a, a thousand uh, three-point shots? Why do they do that? If, and you go up to them and say, why do you do that? You're great. And they look at you and say, why do you think I'm great? How do you get the edge and keep the edge? It's by constant, constant, relentless improvement with the right blueprint, with the top thought leaders. So people will say, will we'll poo-poo it because they don't want to do that work. And, they're going to, and they'll come up with a thousand reasons why. And the reason they don't want to do the work is their why is not strong enough. That's if you peel it back, they don't have a strong enough why that's emotionally connected to pleasure or pain that's going to be the driving force in their life. Yeah, I read your story. You have an amazing story, Rock. And you were driven uh, by a, a tremendous amount of discomfort in your early life. And that, uh, it was clear that that drove you to become the person you, that you've become at multiple stages, as we talked before, in your life. And, and that pain or avoidance of pain is what was a driver in your why to give you, and, and, and not give you, nothing was given, but to help you um, stay on the path of uh, success or at one point in your life, get back on the path to success. So I think that and none of us can, you know, I love this, that people say we're, we're independent. We're not. We're, we're codependent. We're codependent on other things, other people. Is there a part of us that has to be independent? Absolutely. We have to take responsibility for what we, what we think, say, and do. Uh, but ultimately, we're an interdependent people. We depend on, if you're religious, you depend on God. Uh, if you're, you're uh, in business, you depend on your coworkers, your customers. We are dependent but you want to be dependent in a healthy way with people and things around you that will support and anchor you to the things that are most important to get you and keep you on that path to success. Very cool. We're going to get to your I am statements in a moment because you got a, a lot of them. And this is the I am movement podcast where we talk about, you know, what is your identity and, and how, how secure and strongly formed is it? A lot of people during uncertain times can really have their, their, a lot of doubt filter in because they're not sure of what they're capable of or who they are. I also want to talk a little bit about, you've got some tools that you're working on to help people really access, you know, their drive, their path, their mission. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Do you want to, do you want to talk about that now or you want to finish with that? Your choice. Yeah, let's talk about that now. Okay. So for probably 15, 20 years, I've coached and been involved with salespeople and sales leaders. And I've been challenged in a big way by observing why 
all these thousands of salespeople would be exposed to the same training in-house and out, out of house. I mean, you could certainly go online and learn. So they have this, whether it's a learning management system or a sales methodology within their company, and everyone attends the training rock. But yet you have, have Pareto's rule, the top 20% are always the top 20%. You have the middle 60% who are, are pretty much staying there, most of them. And then you have the bottom uh, 20% that for multiple reasons, more reasons are staying there. So the question is, if they're all exposed to the same great content, that if they internalized it and they applied it and executed on it in, cons in a consistent way, they would get the same results as the top producers. Mm -hmm. Why don't they do that? They say they want to. Why don't they do that? And I believe there's a number, what I've discovered over the 15, 20 years is there's a number of reasons why humans, and in this case, sales reps, which are humans, but in the sales field, why they don't do what they should do to get the results they want. And here's some of the things that I've discovered. One is that it's, we live in the age, not in the information age, we live in the information overlay age. Today, we're being bombarded with too much information. So it's, we're being shot with information from a fire hose. So today, less is more, simple is better, and faster is essential. So one of the reasons is training is overload. It's too much information. Uh, the second thing is we don't learn that way. 80% of sales training that's delivered in a classroom is lost within a week, some say two weeks after they leave. It's not how we learn as human beings. So with this tool I came up with, I addressed all the challenges and I said, what tool can we come up with that will feed small amounts of information over a period of time, not take salespeople out of the field. So it takes away from them calling on more, more customers or prospects. Uh, this, the third thing is uh, it's not fun. So the gamification element to make it fun, to make it interactive, to make it competitive, to provide recognition and triggers throughout the day that reward people, reward salespeople in a positive way, have them let them see where they stand on the leaderboard within their company with how many sales tips they listen to. Uh, the next thing is it's not convenient and it's not simple and it's not easy. So uh, how do you make a tool that's simple, easy, and convenient that caters to the salesperson, uh, not to the company? And uh, I would say, lastly, the, the most important thing with salespeople is they, all the information is there for them to learn it. But like I said, it's, it's not provided on a daily or ongoing basis. And the challenges that salespeople face are every single day, they're out there in battle getting all these no's. So how do we combat that? How do we provide a, a tool that will allow them to combat that. So what we've done with years and years of research and development and working with some top people in Silicon Valley, we've created an app that allows sales reps on their cell phone, on their cell phone, using voice activated technology to talk to our app just by verbalizing it as they're driving. They don't have to look at anything, just verbalize and say, I want the top producers tips on how to handle this objection or how I should present this product. And the top producer who we're modeling in that company will then share his or her top tips and they go back and forth. They can actively role play this on the phone as if that sales coach is in their car. Yeah, it's crazy. No one in the world has ever done this. That sales coach is in their car role playing best practices, top producer, and it goes back and forth. So we have repetition. It's on the one device that every salesperson has with them 24-7 that they love. It's, uh, it's attached to their hip. 
So they don't have to look at it. It's drive time. They're not wasting any time. And it's all, we're, we're checking all the boxes, but not only do we have top producer stuff, we also have assessment questions. So using machine learning, we're able to assess where the salesman's gaps are, what their preferences are, and we're able to adapt our training and what we supply them with and say, how about this tip? How about that tip? This seemed to work well for you before. And we're able to provide personalized training that we know from the machine learning and previous results that salesperson got, what would work best for them in any particular situation on the way to an appointment. And all this is delivered right to their cell phone as they're driving down the street. So this is like a virtual coach. It's exactly like a virtual coach. It's exactly what it is. A voice activated virtual coach right on their cell phone. Wow. That's fascinating. That sounds incredibly cool. You got to let me know when, uh, when that comes out or put me on your beta team. Yeah. You know what? I, it's funny you said that. I would love for you to look at it. We're, we have a, a proof of concept right now and we're two weeks away from a, an MVP, which is a minimally viable product. And I would love to get your thoughts and comments and anyone who's listening, their thoughts and comments on this, but, uh, we're super, super excited about, I mean, here, here it is. The gamification causes engagement. All we want is sustained engagement. So if we can get sales reps to have sustained engagement on the top producers' conversations and rebuttals, and we get constant engagement, and that's what the gamification does, constant engagement on the best stuff, then that's the way we, we drive performance and uh, really uh, take things to the next level. So I love, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I definitely would respect and, and uh, love to have your, your input and feedback on this. Very cool. Very cool. So that'll be an ongoing conversation. Let's shift gears now and go a little bit into your, your belief system and your identity statement. I just want to remind the listeners that, you know, we all want to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. And it's, it's the, the, the definition of ourselves often comes from the people around us that told us that we were, you know, a good little boy when we ate our broccoli and we got this and we were nice and kind or we were funny or we were stupid or what have you. You've got here, because I asked you before, I am a believer. I'm loving, compassionate, giving, value-driven, passionate, purposeful, committed, smart, savvy, loyal, trustworthy, a great husband, dad, friend, and it goes on and on. So a lot of people, when I ask this question, they have difficulty defining themselves. You seem to have a pretty good definition, very clear. Tell me a little bit about how conscious you are of that. Well, let me just say this. I didn't write that. My mother did. Okay. <laughs> no, no I, 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 I am clear. And here's why I'm clear on that. A long time ago, I read, there was a great quote by Varkowski. It said, if you don't, he said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Right. And Zig, my, my buddy Zig, who was my, my idol and still is, Zig Ziglar, uh, who was a man strongly defined by his values, by not only his values that he stood for, but that he lived every day. He said, there's two types of people in the world, wandering generalities and meaningful specifics. And I, my whole life, wanted to be a meaningful specific. I wanted to leave a footprint in the world. I had a, 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 a good clear identity of what I wanted to do, but wasn't sure who I was in terms of clearly defining that. So here's what I did. I stated, and I have all my clients do this, and I would recommend anyone listening uh, do this. I stated my values and clearly, and this gives me a guidepost. It gives me a blueprint every day, every thought, decision, and action of what I should do and, and based on who I say I am and who I say I want to be. 
And here's what they are. Number one is to honor and serve the Lord with everything I think, say, and do. Number two is to be the best husband to my amazing wife, Emmy. Number three, to be the best dad to my amazing son, Kyle, and my two amazing stepsons, Dex and Julian. Number four is to serve others and make an impact in their lives with the gifts, talents, and abilities that I've been blessed with. And number five is to be in the best mental, physical, and spiritual shape to serve my other four values. Now, here's the kicker. There's, there's only two things people have to do. Simple, not easy. Number one is clearly define who you are and who you want to be. What does that look like to you? Number two is do it. So here's what I do. There's two ways you, 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 you rate yourself every day. One is awareness and the other is execution. So every day with every situation in my life, Rock, I ask myself this question. Did what I just do or not do when I should have done something? Did what I just say or not say when I should have said something? Was that consistent and congruent with who I say I am? according to my values or who I say I want to be. Simple, not easy. The second thing that you, so I'm a nine or a 10 in terms of awareness. I've been doing it so long. I've developed the habit that everything I think, say, and do, not always in the moment when, I'm, when I say something or do something, because I sometimes New Jersey comes out of me and I'm a little rough. Uh, so, but afterwards, I always measure it and say, Michael, was that who you really say you are? Was that according to, were you a good husband? Were you, was that according to what God would want you to say or do or not do? If you see a woman putting, an old woman putting groceries in the car, did you go over and help? I mean, that's what God would want you to do. Did you, you saw it, you didn't do it. That's not in alignment with, with your values. So let me peel back the onion one step further. We all want peace, joy, and fulfillment in our lives. So that peace, joy, and fulfillment comes from being consistent, congruent with your values. So if you live your values every day or do your best, you're going to rest your head on your pillow at night, say, I was the best version of myself today I could possibly be. And so as I go through my day, the first judgment, the first, not judgment, the first way you rate yourself is, was I aware in every situation of what my values were? And you see, first you have to be aware, right? You have to be intentional and deliberate. And the second one, and now I'm a nine with that. The second one, I fail miserably quite often. And I'm probably a five to a seven, maybe sometimes an eight or a nine on a great day. And that is, did I live my values today the way I should have? All of them. Did I work out? Was I a great husband? Did I do, say and do all the things to be a great husband? Uh, did I serve others today with the gifts, talents, and abilities I'm, I'm blessed with? Did I serve the Lord with what I thought, said, and did? So all the, was I a great dad? Did I call my son, my stepsons? Did, so all those things, tough to do. That's a much tougher uh, uh, thing to do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when you make an effort, when you're clear on that, that's going to be, in my opinion, what your identity is and, and, uh, and will give you the peace, joy, and fulfillment you want in your life. Now, that is beautiful and it makes total sense. And it's, it seems like a perfect thing for people to do when they have extra time on their hands. How did you get so committed to get so clear? Because one of the biggest things I find when I work with people is they're not clear in the direction they're headed, who they are, what they want. And they're that wandering generality. And they're like, well, when I have more time, I'll figure it out. How did you get so clear? Yeah, I, I think out of my desire to really want to help people that I, you know, they say that the, the, the teacher will come when the student is ready. And they say that the coach or the teacher doesn't, you don't have to match. It's the message, not the messenger. 
I believe in my world, in my world, my belief system, that the message should match the messenger. I try my best because I want to be believable. I want people to see that I have a six pack at 63. I want people, and, and you're the same way. And, and that's what we love about each other. That I don't want people to see, Mike talks about hard work and he's loafing and watching TV at night. No, I want them to see I'm still grinding at 63 more than ever. I'm still out there living my dream and, and working on my dream. That that never stops. I'm thinking big, not small, but doing small things to, to, to get the big thing. So, so I, to me, that's critical that when someone sees me, they say, man, I believe that and I trust that. And I want to be that and do that. So, so I think like many of us rock people that to answer your question, people that don't do these things uh, because they imagine in their head, they're difficult. Did you ever manage or think of something? And when you actually, you, you blew it out of proportion, we actually did it. It wasn't as big and, and hard and scary oh. and audacious as you thought it might be. I think we all have. And, and the truth of the matter is creating values and living them. The scariest part is that you have something you have to that you're committing to live by. That's just and that may hold people back from doing it. That I I would rather not live by something. That way I couldn't disappoint myself every day. Uh, but the goal is to constantly be on the 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 uh, the mission to be the best version of yourself. Saint Jerome said this: "Good, better, best. Never let it rest to your good is better and your better's best." So every day should be a quest to be your best. What, what can I do to, to, to be my best? I love, I love this thing that uh, when pro football players are done a game and they interview the top two stars typically in the game, the same two questions are always asked and the same statements are always made by the person doing the interviewing. They say, hey, Bob, you had a, an amazing game today. You threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions, 350 yards, unbelievable job. And they give him praise. And the first thing, the first thing that that person, and they all say the same thing. So there's a common denominator here of success. They all give credit to their other players. They all say, I couldn't have done it with an amazing front line. My receivers made some amazing catches. So the first thing they do is give credit to others. But the second thing they do, which is what we all need to do, and that second thing is they said, yeah, we had a good game, but we're going to watch the film, and there's definitely things that we need to improve upon. So the best of the best the elite, the world-class are constantly sharpening their acts, saying, what can I do to get better? Because that's the path that we all should be on. What can I do today to be a better, whatever your better is, according to your values? And I think that, uh, again, to get back at your question, to set values and create values, people are making something bigger than it is, uh, would probably take someone maybe an hour. But if you're going to have a goal, or this is your life that you're planning, who I am and who I want to be, and it's going to be give you the happiness and joy and fulfillment, is an hour, two hours of your time worth that investment? You bet it is. So spend that hour or two hours. Anyone listening to this that asked me, I have a document, three documents that I send out free of charge, no obligation, I'm happy to do it, that I'll send people that will let them, uh, give them a, a real simple thing to fill out to create their values with example value statements like mine and some others, and it will... Uh, help them ease the, the challenge that might be in their head of how do I do this? And I'll be happy to send that out to anyone emailing me. And, and also at the same token, uh, once they do it, if, if holding you back from doing it is that you're scared, you won't be able to do it. It's just going to help you get better. You're not, 
You're never going to be perfect at this, but you're going to get better and you're going to have the peace, joy, and fulfillment in your life. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Sure. All right. So before we get to the end of the show today, I want to get a little into the moment of today. We are, uh, this will come out in a few weeks, but we are going through the pandemic and you have a, a, a year plan where you're going to be doing some talking with Kevin Harrington. You've probably had to pivot on that. Yes. I've had to pivot on a lot and everyone's had to pivot on a lot. So yet the answer is yes, I have. So what are some of the, the skills that you're utilizing now to pivot and still stay upbeat? Well, uh, great question. No doubt, this is the greatest level of uncertainty most people have ever experienced in their lifetime. No doubt, it's the most fear people have experienced in their lifetime. Uh, no one has the answers, which is the scariest part. So what do you do? I created a free speech and I'm giving some speakers bureaus that I work with that they can give to their clients because I wanted to give back a little bit. And it's, it's uh, called Forge Forward. And it's pivot, plan, progress. So here's what we could, everyone listening to this, we're dealing with something that's horrific. So you have a choice. You can have a pity party or you can have a progress party. What are you going to have? Are you going to come out of this better? Or are you going to come out of this worse when this is over? And it will be over. This will end. And we have an opportunity right now to focus on different things that we were going to focus on two months ago. But all the things that we could focus on now with this pivot and plan will help us become better people. This is a time to create your value system. This is a time to work on your self-development, your personal development, to become whatever your profession is. If you're in sales, get the sales books out by Jeffrey Ginnimer, Jeb Blunt, whoever you love. Get those books out. Get those audios out. Get to watch the videos and commit yourself an hour a day to learning and getting better because that will serve you. When you get better, as Gandhi says, one of my favorite quotes, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. When you get better, everything in the world gets better for you. So this is the time when you never have time to do this. And that was your excuse. Now is your time to invest an hour a day to get better. And I don't care what you like, but find the person, the vehicle, whether it's audio, video, a, an actual book, read it, listen to it, watch it, and, and invest the time in getting better. That's number one. We all should do that. Number two is saying, what services what can i do right stay in touch with your clients it's another thing that i coach i have consulting clients now and we're doing all zoom calls so what other technologies i watch all the commercials on tv how can i be creative and serve my clients now with their needs first be sensitive that we're all going through a lot right now it's scary so be first be sensitive that they're healthy and 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 their people are healthy and then after that, come up with solutions. I just called a customer today with a solution. I said, I thought of something. They were so grateful. So think of things that you can help others uh, during this, and you'll solidify and, and deepen and strengthen your relationships with your existing customers by doing that. You'll also be making a difference. So I think that's something we all should do. Stay in touch with your customers, just even if it's reaching out, which you should, and just say, I'm thinking about you. How are you? If there's anything I could do for you, please let me know. That's, should you sell right now, depending on your product or service, I think the first step is definitely calling up just saying, I'm thinking about you and I care. But thinking and being creative of solutions and work on projects that you never had time to work on that would advance your personal career or your business career. This is the time to pull them out and to really put the pedal to the metal and invest that time and energy in doing that. 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, all of that is 100% true. And I think it's even timeless information because, you know, reaching out to your clients and finding out if they're okay is not something that you should stop ever. The, the, the narrative specifically for this time will change, but the habit of reaching out to people should not change. The habit of being in a progress party, not a pity party, should be a muscle you develop. So I think your advice is timeless, Michael. It's appropriate for adverse times. Yeah, and yeah. It's, 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 and, and I appreciate that, Rock. I think that, you know, it's the old saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now more than ever. I mean, that's always been a, mo a, a coaching model that I profess. You know, you know, I competed against Xerox, the biggest in the world, and I beat them 75% of the time. And I didn't beat them on price per se. I beat them on relationships. And people are people first, business people second. And, and the, the bottom line is they buy you before they buy your product. And, and I'm convinced that people, they say people buy from who they know, like, and trust, but that's not 100% true because if they know, like, and trust you and they know, like, and trust me more, they're going to buy from me. So how do you develop deeper and stronger relationships? And that's where you really dive in. It's Harvey McKay wrote a great book a while ago called Swim with the Sharks Without, Without Being Eaten Alive. And he had the McKay 66 and he talks about 66 things. Yeah, it's a little overboard, but it's, it's important. 66 things you need to know about your prospects. Do you know what sports their son or daughter plays? Do you know, you know what their, their habits and their passions are? And do you know when their anniversaries and birthdays are? And when you talk to people about that, you show you genuinely care because you ask about that first before the business, that will transcend the business you do with them. What was the name of that book again? Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. And then McKay 66 speaks specifically to the 66 things you need to know about your clients if you really want to drive that relationship and drive the business going down the road. Well, for those of you that are listening to the I Am Moving podcast, I recommend that you take this particular podcast and listen to it again. There is a lot of great information in here on how you can you know, live a great life, build your business, stay focused. Let's get some parting words from you, Michael. Well, I, around 15 years ago, I had a woman sitting in my, you know, I'm a keynote speaker, as I mentioned. I have a, a woman, her name was Lynn Gidrow, sitting in my office. Or, excuse me, sitting in the audience. And she was touched Props. by my, yeah, my office now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she was sitting in the audience. And when she left, she filled out an evaluation. And she said, I just want you to know you deeply touched my life. And to, to me, that was, that's what, why I do what I do. And, and it just meant the world to me, Rock. And uh, she said, I, I'd like to reciprocate in some way. I'd like to share this poem that my grandmother gave me when she died, before she died. And, and I'd like to share it with you. And I read the poem, Rock, this is many years ago, as I mentioned. And it made such a profound difference in my life that I close every speech with it. And I close every podcast with it because I believe it's a, a, a game changer, but more importantly, a life changer. And I'd like to share it with your audience. It's, it's called The Dash. Mm. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noticed that first came her date of birth and spoke to second date with tears. But he said that what mattered most of all was that dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. 
For it matters not how much we have, the car, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that could still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. If we could be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we could treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash won't only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, will you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? And it's my sincerest hope, wish, hope and wish and dream and prayer that you rock and everyone listening to this spends their dash in a way that's meaningful, that makes a real difference in the lives of their customers, their coworkers, their friends, but most importantly, their family members. Well, it's beautiful and heartfelt. And thank you for sharing. Great, great reminder. Life is so precious. So if people want to get in touch with you, follow you and uh, learn more about you, what's the best way, Michael? They can uh, contact me uh, via email at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at MichaelAltshuler.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, A-L-T as in Tom, S-H-U-L-E-R.com, where they can call me directly at 561 818-6387. Well, I would again want to thank you for coming on. You personify very, very intentionally somebody who has defined themselves and who has their values aligned and who's somebody who's going to serve at a high level. You were built to serve, Michael, and I appreciate you coming on our broadcast. Well, thank you for having me, Rock. It was a, a real pleasure. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.